calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Hello, listener. This show contains strong language and upsetting imagery that may be sensitive for some listeners. We invite you to listen with care, but listen closely, as you will discover that Green Man is a poignant, life-affirming, and even uplifting story. Its resolution is not what it seems. Chapter 6 Rail walked steadily, pacing himself. He marveled at the nature tableaus all around him. The dappled sunshine created a crazy quilt of light and shadows on the forest floor. Shafts of sunlight irradiated the citron-colored lichens growing on the sunny side of boulders that crouched like speckled toads on the forest floor. Tree leaves fluttered and flapped and swished and swayed on the branches, proudly displaying practically every shade of green from emerald to olive. And the air was fresh, thick with life-fortifying chlorophyll. He breathed deep. The pain in his thigh and hip and shoulder had lessened to a dull ache, tolerable. The swelling on his face was almost gone. He was on the mend. He was ready to undertake the long trek north, or wherever his quest for freedom took him. The respite had been good for him, for his injured body, for his mental state too. He wanted to savor every moment, but he couldn't stop thinking about the kid but the parallels to his own wasted life. Patricide, that had been the notion in Rayo's prison file. They had a word for people who killed their fathers, even if the bastards had deserved it. It was a mortal sin, the chaplain told him, a sin you could never wash off, like a permanent bloodstain on your hands, worse than an exploded dye pack from bills in a bank robbery. You were marked in this life and the next. If the kid ended up doing what he intended to do, he'd be the same, marked for life. Truth was, Rayo never killed anyone who didn't deserve it, except once, and he hadn't even touched the guy. More like he caused the guy's death, but not intentionally. Rayo had been sprinting around the corner after a jewelry store smash-and-grab heist with his buddy Kelvin. The armed rent-a-cop on his heels fumbling with his holstered pistol as he chugged down the sidewalk. Rayo looked back before he ducked into the alley. The guy was overweight, probably in his 50s, and beat red in the face. He shouldn't have been exerting himself the way that he was, which is why he dropped dead right on the spot from a heart attack. 
Rail got caught, pled guilty, and went upstate for manslaughter. A death during the commission of a felony was first-degree murder, but he took the lesser charge plea deal without a whimper. The dead guy needed the minimum wage job to support his family, but he shouldn't have tried to be a hero. Rail grudgingly admired him for his courage, but he'd never told that to anybody, not even the judge at sentencing. Rail was maybe a quarter of a mile away from the house when he heard the guttural sound of a motorcycle engine along with a series of explosions from a clogged muffler. Sound traveled far in the forest, not like in the city where individual sounds were drowned out in a cacophony of never-ending background noise. The kid's asshole paw had come back. Rayo didn't think. He acted, dropped his duffel of weapons, tore off his parka and his knapsack, and took off at a run back the way he came. As he ran, he heard the bike slam into the wire he'd strung across the road. A sharp screech and a twang probably caught the handlebars before he dumped the machine in the dirt with a hard thud. The engine shrieked, then died with a sputter, and then a roar, not human, more like an enraged bear. Not decapitated then, royally pissed off. Rail got near the log house. He could see that the man had arrived first. The front door was wide open, the shotgun lay in the dirt at the bottom of the porch steps. The kid never got a shot off. Even from halfway across the yard, Rail had a clear view inside. The kid was on his butt on the floor, trying to slide backwards while screaming in pain as the man, a big, heavy motherfucker with long, stringy black hair, a denim vest with the RC two-headed serpent emblem on the back, brutally kicked at the kid like he was some stray dog, steel-toed boots, and a bubbling rage that gave off a foul odor from 20 feet. When he became livid with rage, Rayo didn't show it. Emotionless, as cold as ice, as lethal as a predatory reptile. All he felt was the prickling of the leaves and the face tattooed on his back as if they were curling and crinkling from being exposed to an open flame. Four strides to cross the yard, he picked up the shotgun, racked it, and mounted the steps in a single bound and kept going, right through the open door. The bearded gargantuan freak heard him and turned around. Heavy eyebrows raised in surprise. Rayo's brain clicked off a mental booking photo. Jolly, a fleshy nose, broken once or twice, full-sleeved tattoos, both meaty arms, pube-like beard hair springing from his face all the way to his cheekbones, lips twisted in a scowl. Rayo raised the shotgun and pulled the trigger before the asshole could say a word. The head vaporized into a halo of fine pink spray spattering projectile chunks of jellied brain matter and strands of black hair all over the walls and ceiling. The headless thing teetered on its stick-like legs before it collapsed in a heap on the wooden floor. Blood poured out from the open neck like a spilled can of red paint. Good riddance, you wife-murdering, kid-beating motherfucker. Rot in hell. The kid kept trying to crawl away, whimpering. His leg was hurt, broke maybe, from being kicked repeatedly in the shins. I couldn't do it, the boy sobbed. I couldn't. Rayo dropped the shotgun on top of the headless hunk of meat and picked the boy up into his arms. He carried him outside, one arm cradling the boy's back and shoulders, the other under his knees. The kid clutched him around the neck, weeping into his shirt. Rayo could feel the heat and dampness from the boy's tears. He kept going, across the yard, past the Quonset hut, wanting to get out of sight of the house and what lay in the open doorway. He kept going, straight into the surrounding trees, until he reached a small grassy meadow, shamrock-colored grass, ankle-high. He stopped. The only sound was birdsong. 
Overhead, puffy white clouds, the heady scent of blooming wildflowers, peaceful, like nothing ever happened. The simple grandeur of nature could soothe the soul like nothing else. Rayo set the boy carefully down on the ground and kneeled beside him. The kid howled in pain, clutching his shins. Let me see. The kid didn't squirm as Rayo rolled up his pant legs, bruising already showing up, deep purple and angry red, shallow lacerations so not much blood. The boy winced as Rayo probed the bones, feeling for fractures, but he didn't pull away. I don't think your leg's broke. It hurts. Of course it does. Deep breaths. You keep shallow panting like that, you're going to make it worse. Rayo knew it wasn't pain the kid was feeling, but fear or horror, which might be worse. Pain subsided. Horror didn't. Both of them had blood spattered all over their clothes, on their faces, in their hair, little damp droplets of red. Rayo rubbed his face and head with the palm of his hand. The kid wiped the back of his sleeve across his face, wiping away the snot and the tears and blood spattered as best as he could. Lay back. Keep your breathing under control. If you can manage to slow your heart down, it won't hurt so bad. Focus on the clouds, okay? Not your leg. The kid lay back on the wild grass with a groan, but he tried his best to breathe deep, calm himself. Rayo lay back too and watched the passing clouds, watched them change shapes and metamorphosize into something completely different. A stooped man with a cane became a flock of sheep that became a hilltop castle with a drawbridge. The kid's breathing slowed, became regular, normal. Rayo glanced over. The kid seemed mesmerized by the clouds, seemingly entranced, but really a form of denial. Rayo figured that was all right for now. Whenever the slight breeze changed direction, it brought with it a different smell, a scent of pine, of damp earth, of distant rain, of fresh cut wood, of wood smoke, of green, a myriad of shades. Time to think. A dead man changed the equation. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. The cops would come to the log house eventually. Maybe the water delivery service would alert them. Maybe the dead asshole's trucking company would call the cops for a welfare check. More likely sooner rather than later. Rayo had left signs of his presence. DNA, fingerprints all over the property, especially in the house. His prints were on the shotgun, too. An escaped convict who murdered a man in his own home goes straight onto the most wanted list, not just volunteer trackers the next time out. Armed National Guardsmen and troopers and sheriff deputies would be looking for him. A whole pack of tracking dogs, helicopters. He might manage to evade them for a while, but he wouldn't get far. He could drench the inside of the house with gasoline and set it all on fire. 
burn the fucking place to the ground. The Quonset hut and the outhouse too. Obliterate any sign that he'd been there. The place was constructed of logs after all. A blazing structure would attract the attention of the fire service. Somebody'd spot the plume of smoke rising from the woods. The smoke from a burning house didn't look like the smoke from a campfire. Not even close. Arson investigators would find the charred, headless body in the house. The cops would eventually find the woman's body in the outhouse. They'd either think the kid pulled the shotgun trigger, or they'd make the kid tell him who did. Same result, armed searchers, helicopters, and tracking dogs, all looking for Rayo. Be on the lookout. Armed and considered dangerous. Alive or dead, shoot to kill. Rayo could take the kid with him. Not such a stretch to mistake the pair for father and son. Same haircut. The kid would keep his mouth shut, and Rayo would take care of him the best he could. A life on the run wasn't the best life, but it was all Rayo had to offer. You still want to go with me? Rayo asked without pulling his gaze from the clouds overhead. The kid sucked in his breath and sniffled. Yes, please. I do, mister. Please. Let me think on it a bit. The sigh that came from the kid was one of profound relief. Rayo had heard the same exhale of air from inmates about to be paroled, a deep sigh saying the waiting was over and life would soon begin again. Problem was, taking the kid along would be kidnapping, Amber Alert time. It's one thing for a run-of-the-mill convict halfway through a sentence for manslaughter to slip away, but not a child abductor. They figured Rayo murdered the boy's father in order to gain access to the boy. Authorities would view the kid as a hostage, or worse, call Rayo a pedophile. Major fucking manhunt all over again. Maybe the question was, what's best for the boy? For the first time in his life, Rayo viewed someone else's needs ahead of his own. It gave him a weird feeling in the pit of his stomach, not so much as sick as off-balance, exposed. Like a citizen who had something to lose, something precious. That gave others leverage over him, but he didn't feel so much like a sucker as he thought he would. Clear thinking rationality burst that momentary balloon. No, he couldn't take the kid with him. Even if he wanted to, the odds weren't in their favor. Their freedom would be short-lived, and even if they somehow managed to avoid getting caught or killed, a life on the run was no life for a kid. This fucking life was no life for a kid. The kid was on the losing end of a bad hand. He had no living relatives. He was a RC biker's kid whose father had had his head blown off with a shotgun. An orphan whose paw had murdered his mother. That made the kid a bad seed by default. He'd end up in the system just like Rayo, even though the poor kid hadn't done a damn thing to deserve it. From here on out, what was left of his childhood would be a series of foster homes if he was lucky, but more likely, a series of poorly run group homes. Since he was only 10, he'd serve eight long years in underage purgatory before he legally became an adult and could walk out. By then, it would be too late. The damage would have been done. The kid was small for his age. Bullies would gravitate to him like blowflies to fresh meat. His life would be a living hell. By the time he'd turn 18, the kid would have built up scar tissue in his rectum that would make it painful to take a shit. He'd likely have his front teeth kicked in and multiple fractures on the bones in his forearms. Other broken bones, too, like his collarbone, his clavicle, his tibia and patella. Might even have his skull stove in with a lead pipe, just like Rayo had. Rayo felt tears edging from the corner of his eyes. Fuck. He blinked them away, not wanting the kid to see. One small mercy. The kid didn't know that his mother was dead. 
that she was probably murdered, her body tossed into an outhouse toilet like she was garbage, that she was never coming back. Her being out there somewhere was the poor kid's talisman of hope. His belief that his mother loved him and wouldn't leave him behind gave him strength. To learn that she'd been dead the whole time would stun him, probably pulverize something in him that would never revive. Rayo wished there was a way to keep the kid from ever learning what happened to her. Kid? Yeah, mister? I'm glad you couldn't pull the shotgun trigger. I'm glad it was me that had to do it. The kid rolled over and stared hard at Rayo's profile. Rayo could feel the kid's eyes boring into his cheekbone, but he didn't make eye contact. He stayed focused on the evolving panorama of clouds. Why? asked the kid. No kid should have to do something like that even if it's justified. But you did. Yeah, and that's why it doesn't matter much if I do it again. Killed my old man. I killed yours. What's one more? That leaves your hands clean. I already have blood on mine. You know what a sin is? Rayo caught a glimpse of the kid's exaggerated shrug out of the corner of his eye. I don't know. I think so. Maybe. Yeah, well, you're without it, kid. No mortal sins on your sheet. Is that good? I hope so. Even though it was sunny and warm, the kid suddenly trembled so violently that his teeth chattered. Shock, Rayo figured. Delayed shock. He sat up and pulled the boy onto his lap. It was light as a feather. Then he lay back again in the grass. As the kid was lying face up, stretching out along the length of Rayo's body with the top of his head under Rayo's chin, Rayo enfolded the boy in his arms warmed him with his own body heat. Let's watch the clouds, okay? Okay. Why don't you tell me what you see? The kid's tremors slowly subsided. For an hour or more, they watched the clouds transform themselves into an ever-changing array of shapes. Each occasionally raised an arm to point skyward. Kid even laughed a little. Look, tortoise, an anvil, a lion with three front paws, a stagecoach, the state of Florida, Panhandle included. An endless jumble of mismatched figures and images. Not much conversation, but at some point, Rayo asked, You got a last name? The kid told him. Ah, now everything made sense. Clack, 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 like gears falling into place. Rayo finally felt the kid relax, become almost limp on top of him, at peace. Rayo laid one of his muscular arms across the kid's chest, and pulled his hand up so the kid's chin was resting in the crook of his elbow. The kid took it as a gesture of affection and patted Rayo's hand. Rayo took a deep breath, grabbed his bald fist in his other hand, and squeezed it with all his might. He could choke out a grown man. A kid was nothing. It took a second for the kid to register what was happening. He began to buck and scratch, his heels futilely battering at Rayo's shins. The kid couldn't cry out. Whatever breath he had was trapped forever in his throat. Rayo squeezed harder. He heard the soft snap of the tiny hyoid bone breaking in the kid's throat. He felt the kid's larynx collapse like a miniature accordion. Thirty seconds and the kid was still. But Rayo didn't stop squeezing. Strangulation and suffocation were deceptive. It took longer than anyone thought. Two to three minutes of unrelenting pressure was required to be sure. Rayo closed his eyes tight and started to count, slowly, to 300. Five minutes to be on the safe side. Let go too soon, the kid would wind up with brain damage and vegetable in some county hospital ward. 
One one thousand, two one thousand, three one thousand. Rio's eyes were still closed tight, but he could no longer feel the kid's dead weight on top of his chest. He couldn't feel anything at all, come to think of it. But he heard dripping, steady dripping. Maybe it had started to rain, though Rayo couldn't feel any cold raindrops on his face. He squeezed his lids down on his eyeballs to make an explosion of colors, like a kaleidoscope, though Rayo only ever saw the color green in his head. He knew he was supposed to see red, the colors of veins and capillaries in his eyelids, but green was all he ever saw, 50 shades or more, all in bright starburst against the closed eyelids. Astonishing. Then the smell of gasoline intruded. The stench of burning rubber. Faint twangy country music from a radio. He thought he heard blubbering. Arcady? The distinctive sound of semis downshifting and loud voices. Somebody yelling, down there! Rayo couldn't open his eyes. He vaguely recalled his head slamming against the window glass, right on the spot where his skull had once been stove in. He was glad he felt no pain, felt nothing much at all. He surrendered then, surrendered to all the flashes of green spinning in his head, like a fast-moving whirlpool of leaves and sprigs from a tropical forest to northern pine forest and everywhere in between. He tried to put a name to all the shades that he saw fly by. Kelly Green, Chartreuse, Mint, Celadon, Olive, Shamrock, Myrtle, Paris Green, Hunter Green, Jade, Hooker's Green, and anybody hurt? State Trooper Tim Warwick looked up to see a trucker stumbling toward him down the grassy rise from the highway. Florid face etched with concern. A lot of cars had stopped. A whole line of folks standing up there looking down. A slim woman in her sundress shaded her eyes with her hand. Looky lose. The driver probably had a broken arm, the way he was cradling it. The corrections officer had a gash above his eyebrow, but it didn't look too bad. The prisoners had been secured to their seats in the transport van, so nobody got ejected. Small mercies. But it was taking a while to detach them from their seats. The corrections officer had to crawl into the upturned van to unhook them one at a time. Trooper Warwick, hands on his gun belt, legs splayed authoritatively, stood guard over the prisoners. He had them sit on the dirt in a line, like he would do if they were suspects under arrest. Only these guys already wore orange prison jumpsuits. They were banged up a bit, bruised and scraped, but nothing serious, at least not so far. The van driver kept mumbling about having to swerve because he saw a kid standing right in the middle of the road. A young kid, maybe eight or nine, a little boy right in the middle of the highway. Holy Christ, he kept muttering. If he hadn't swerved, he would have hit the boy for sure, killed him, seeing as they were going close to 60 miles per hour. The corrections officer said he didn't see anything. There'd been no kid. Trooper Warwick intended to breathalyze the van driver as soon as backup showed up. Could be some kind of hallucinogenic drug in his system, or maybe some late onset mental problems. Either way, the van driver was going to be the subject of a traffic accident investigation, facing a charge of reckless endangerment at the very least, lose his license and his livelihood, end up on disability if he was lucky. Last one, said the corrections officer as he helped a blubbering fat guy over to where the rest of the prisoners were sitting. The corrections officer referred to his clipboard. Each prisoner answered in the affirmative when his name was called, like trained seals, Prisoner 3461, Leonid Arcadian. Prisoner 2988, Robert Wesley. 
Prisoner 1163, Jose Perez. Prisoner 3951, Amos Ferris. Prisoner 2307, DeMonte Jones. The correction officer looked up, relieved. All present and accounted for? Asked Trooper Warwick. They're all here, said the corrections officer. Five prisoners on board for transport, all alive and well. The fuck I am, protested the fat one. He pointed to his rapidly swelling jaw. This ain't nothing. Shut up, Arcady. We'll get you looked over in the infirmary. For Warwick heard a blip from the siren on the road. The cavalry was arriving. You got this? He asked. I got this, answered the corrections officer. Trooper Warwick took the van driver's elbow. You, come with me. The van driver, finally docile, went along quietly. The pair made their way up the hill. Trooper Warwick figured he'd be writing up an accident investigation report until shift change. Oh well, at least no one was killed in this one. Nobody even hurt bad. None of the prisoners had escaped. All things considered, no harm, no foul. Green Man, created by Cassie Wells and Dave Beasley, starring Scoot McNary. Post-production sound by Joe Morales and Elftree Studio, a Haywood production. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. And sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.